Welcome to the HR Huddle Podcast, presented by Sapient Insights Group, the ultimate resource for all things HR. It's time to get in the huddle. Welcome to the HR Huddle Podcast, and to this episode of Spilling the Tea on HR Tech. I'm Stacey Harris. And I'm Kim Seals. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and share the show with a friend or two who wants to stay in the know. That's right, Kim. Every episode, we are serving a fresh brew of the hottest news and insights in HR tech. This week, Microsoft acquires Alio. Workday is going everywhere with the release of their borderless digital workspace experience. And the results from our 24th annual HR system survey are officially released this week with the launch of the full white paper. We've got some fascinating takeaways to share with you. First, this brew is bubbling but not scorching hot because Microsoft has been on an acquisition mission and they purchased Alio, objective and key results performance platform, which recently raised around $76 million. Microsoft is planning to incorporate this application into their Viva family of products and they have no comment on what that purchase price was, but we're expecting that this focus is going to help them align employee work to company strategic missions and core priorities. Alio CEO and founder said that it's going to also enable them as an organization to grow the product much more quickly as part of their Microsoft acquisition. They'll have resources and tools that they didn't have as a small company growing. Competitors in this space that you might know would be BetterWorks, WorkBoard, WeekDone, and even in the HR technology space, Movilla, which was the company that was recently started up by Mank Senka, who previously owned eAuthority that was bought by Equifax. So it's a space we're tangentially connected to from an OKR perspective. This acquisition adds another piece to Workday's enterprise tech puzzle. As you said, Stacey, they've definitely been an acquisition machine. And we can trace this back to the early days when Microsoft acquired Skype, which later became the backbone of their Teams environment. And then when they acquired LinkedIn, which allowed them to start dipping their toe in the HR tech waters. This puts Microsoft one step in front of the ERP HR application conversation, but the adoption is what it's really going to all come down to because many of us are Microsoft Teams users, Microsoft Office users, and we know you only get as much out of that application as you put into it. That's going to be the critical component of whether or not this really works for Microsoft as well as the Alio component it's going to take a lot of work to make these tools seamless. We've seen that it taken, it's taken a lot of time for the LinkedIn acquisition to sort of come together and for the Skype and Teams combination to sort of come together. Here's what I like about it, Stacey. From a performance and goal setting perspective, I love this acquisition because it's one step closer to that perfect storm of employees completing tasks and then seeing immediately how they tie to the OKRs of the organization. From an engagement and focus perspective, those things are critical as we want employees focused on the things that are driving business results and not things that could be distracting them or tasks that could be distracting them. This ability of Alio to connect everyday tasks to the company and their most important objectives is really a critical set of technology. It's a gap in the market. We've known this. A lot of organizations have been trying to figure out how they tie these worlds together. But I will say that for HR professionals, although this seems one step removed, they really have to start paying attention if they aren't already at what Microsoft applications are doing inside their environment and how that's going to connect to their HR technologies going forward. 
there's a real effort there to make sure they are up on what's happening if they haven't already been doing it. Totally agree. Next, Workday is going everywhere and they are taking your employees there too. With the release of their borderless digital workspace experience, this second cup of tea is dark and stormy because Workday is opening the doors and churning up the market as they jump feet first into an enterprise ecosystem strategy. Let's get you up to speed. Workday is one of the biggest enterprise cloud software companies in the market chatting over 9,000 customers and applications in the areas of finance and human resources. Their customer community of more than 55 million workers. And this announcement of Workday Everywhere, the borderless technology, is really all about creating connectors and applets and little widgets that can be embedded in other applications. The most important thing to understand is that this is a real big move for Workday because they have definitely been an application and a company that's been much more focused on their own internal stack. The goal here is to create a more streamlined experience for the employee and the worker. I've had a chance to look at some of the features and some of the ones that were most noteworthy to me were things like the employee being proactively notified if they've not taken time off in the last six months, suggesting that they consider a break or vacation. That ties in so nicely to what we're hearing about employee burnout and employee stress right now and the ability to prompt those employees who may not realize, hey, it's been six months. That'll be a great feature. And then this concept that you mentioned earlier, but really to reinforce of not having to leave the digital workspace that they operate in day to day, whether it's Slack, whether it's Teams, whether it's HubSpot from a sales perspective. Not having to leave that digital workspace, the intranet, or whatever collaboration tools they're using is huge. For example, a pretty simple item, but still something that really improves workflow, is that a person on a mobile device could take a photo of a receipt, then create and submit this expense item within Slack to go back to Workday for payment. Just that kind of improvement on the workflow as organizations try to keep their employees with a streamlined, simplified workflow from whatever these uh, work tool applications are, it's really going to be helpful to have that connected into Workday. Yeah. And there's no doubt that Workday is really focused on the CHRO's role in creating a better work experience. And that's exactly what this, I think, is connecting to. It's important, though, to really understand that this is such a bold move for Workday as a company. They originally started out designing their product on a single stack model, and they were very focused on the idea of the power of one. Now they've been transitioning that language over the last year or two to understand there is broader ecosystems. They've got partnerships now. They've got a lot of work that they're doing in their ecosystem to build extended models. But this was the final and the biggest move that they needed to make, which is that they're going to be able to access their product outside of their solution inside of something else. The other thing that's important to understand is that this extends the capabilities that they started two years ago with their launch of the Workday Extends, which is platform as a service for those who might know what that technology is all about, which means they have a developer community and a community that can build out on their own platform. Now this adds another level of being able to develop elements of connecting into the Workday platform. I want to circle back around to something you said earlier that I think bears repeating and emphasizing. Workday has been in the past so focused on the Workday experience and keeping their customers in Workday as the one place you need to go to do it all. And as they said themselves when they launched this new product, by designing Workday everywhere with people at the center, we've made it effortless to communicate, access information, and complete tasks in Workday from any digital environment, all without interrupting the flow of work. 
And that piece about saying now you can do the stuff you need to do in Workday from someone else's environment, that's a huge shift for them product strategy wise. And I'm interested to see where they take it from here. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good move. It's going to improve their relationships with both organizations like Microsoft and Salesforce and ServiceNow, which they've been kind of struggling as to who's that front door sometimes. It's also, to your point, the big risk they have is losing a little bit of control. And so they are going to have to be very careful in their quality control of this process because we do know other application areas, other vendors who have tried this approach like Oracle, Salesforce, SAP to some extent, they've all had a little bit of fallout from the fact that people now somewhat feel like their ecosystems are a little bit more complex and a little hard to navigate. So I think Workday is going to balance this carefully to make it work, but it's the right move for them. They need to embrace this ecosystem model. The availability of this product is going to be first for the Workday Human Capital Management customers via Slack and Microsoft. And then it sounds like they're going to later in the year release their Workday cards, as they're calling, which for many of us probably is more like a widget if you remember back in the day, what that looks like for the Microsoft Viva connection. So I think right now you're looking at Teams and Slack and just HCM. They're going to continue to expand this over time. It'll be interesting to see where they take it. I'll be following along for sure. Moving on to our final cup of tea that's been brewing all year long, the official release of the results from our 24th annual HR System Survey. For our listeners who are new to the HR System Survey, Stacey, can you give them a sense of why this data is so powerful? Obviously, as I am the data geek, it is just amazing to see how many people continue to participate in this research. Our team collects this data from 20,000 organizations. It includes more than half of the Fortune 500 on an annual basis. And it covers nearly 300 million employees in our total sort of data set. Our annual report also includes those critical trends on the adoption of HR technology, how organizations are using their systems, and probably the most exciting and the thing we get the most commentary on is the feedback from the customers, the voice of the customer on their applications and that they're using. You've done three presentations now to go over the results including our most recent webinar where we had nearly 300 people registered to attend. What are some of the most inspiring or unexpected results from this year's data? Well, some of the surprising things are that we saw some real changes in how organizations are using their HR technology this year. One of the things that oftentimes gets missed when people are listening to all the data about the use of their HR technology is what they're using it to accomplish. This year, we saw a 10% increase in the use of HR technology for influencing business decisions and supporting business strategy. That was huge. We also saw spending is up this year, 57%. But this year, the focus has shifted a bit from your HRMS and payroll, which we always see in the top five, to now the top five spending categories are almost completely talent-focused with the addition of analytics. So we got a lot of learning skills management, recruiting as top areas people are investing. Finally, the one thing that really surprised me this year was this decrease in the role of the HR functional professional investing time in application security and configuration. I was surprised by this because we've been seeing the functional role increase the amount of time they're investing in doing particularly system configurations where they're doing workforce flows and helping organizations figure out how their business processes fit into this HR technology since we've been moving to cloud technologies. This is the first year we're seeing a decrease in that and we're seeing more of IT and HRIT roles picking up that responsibility again. 
It's going to be interesting to see how our HR practitioner friends respond to that development, because we know historically HR has wanted to take on more and more ownership of their HR systems because they've always felt like they were the redheaded stepchild of the tech department when IT had to prioritize where they'd spend their time and effort. The client-facing, customer-facing, revenue-producing applications and systems have always gotten the top prioritization, and HRs had to wait their turn when they wanted some type of configuration, when they wanted some type of system change. And to see this migrate back now to where they're losing control of these systems, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over time. I agree that we're seeing this happen because I think the environments are getting more complex and because the roles are just requiring more understanding of how security is interacting and integrations are interacting. But I do think that it's it's a challenge for HR. Some of the other things I thought that was somewhat surprising is that we also got some interesting questions following all of these webinars. The top ones were not always in the areas I would have expected us to get questions. One was on this internal mobility conversation. We did throw out a stat at the big HR tech conference. We talk about it at every one of these webinars that just 20% of organizations are doing some form of internal mobility process formally inside their organization. It was a really low number, but we've got a lot of people retweeting that, commenting on it. And I think it's because the vendors are investing a lot right now in promoting these technologies. And it's not the technologies that seem to be the issue, but the cultures. The other thing that we've gotten a lot of questions about is a stat that we have in our data. It's not one of our sort of core areas that we ask questions about, but we do ask every year what roles are being hired inside your HR function, particularly because we're looking to see how that relates to HR technology support. But one of the roles we asked about this year was diversity, equity, and inclusion roles. And we saw that there's not only a higher increase in the percentage of organizations that are hiring a diversity, equity, and inclusion role. But those organizations who already had a role are about 30% more likely to be hiring another role in the coming year. So basically, multiple people and teams. Kim, you work a lot in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Is this a surprising thing to you? And we're thinking this is that they're building teams that are more data-focused. Would you agree with that? That's probably one of the likely scenarios of needing more data and analytics to take a fact-based, data-driven approach to putting together your DNI strategy. It shows the emphasis that's happening right now, as you mentioned earlier, on culture and inclusion and some of those hot topics in the DNI space. And we've just not seen a lot of technology disruption yet. It's a space that I've got my eye on on a couple of startups that are out there looking to bring more technology to this situation and and to what organizations are focused on in terms of how they're building out their DNI strategies and then looking to implement them across the organization. Sometimes I'm sort of fascinated by what we put out into the market and then what we get questions about, like what people come back to us, which means that either there's a gap of data and other things that they're looking for that data in, or it's just a topic that's really important. And I think this is a case where both things are both important and are necessary for what changes need to take place in the market. It's probably a good time for us to mention that this is the same data that many of the top organizations in the world rely on for some of their most critical HR tech-related decisions. Our listeners can access the report and all of our cutting-edge findings by heading over to sapientinsights.com and downloading the report for the low, low price of $99 or by becoming a subscription member right now for less than $300 for the entire year. You will instantly unlock the industry's most powerful research and data sets from our HR system survey. 
I'm so proud of this year's white paper and the team behind it. Kimberly, Catherine, Cheryl, everyone really invested a lot of time in making sure that we had not only probably one of the largest reports we've ever published this year, 178 pages, but ensuring that we were talking about topics that were important to the practitioners and to the people who are leveraging the data to help them make their business cases or develop decisions that they're creating throughout their entire organization around technology and the use of it. So hope that we continue to get questions and feedback on what else we can do to help the market make these critical decisions. Shout out to you and your team, because not to disparage the other 23 years, but this might be one of your best ones yet. Well, thank you, Kim. That's it for this episode of Spilling the Tea on HR Tech. We'll be back before you know it with another fresh brew. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe or follow and share the show with a friend. Because when everything goes to hell in a handbasket, it's time to huddle up with a crew you can count on. We will see you in the HR huddle. 